Welcome to episode four of the Cinesnob podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And this is Kiko Martinez. It's time for the Real Rundown, recapping this week in movie news. All right, first up, a trailer hit this week for the long-awaited sequel to Dumb and Dumber called Dumb and Dumber 2. How you doing, buddy? Brought you your favorite candies. Come on, Lloyd, you gotta get over her. Mary Samsonite was just a girl. That's it, kid. Come on, come on, come on, spit it out. God, yeah! <laughs> Wait a minute, so you mean you have been faking for 20 years mm-hmm. and it was all for a gag? Yep. That's awesome! <laughs> all right, this reunites Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels, stars of the Farrelly Brothers. Uh, was, this their, was this their first big movie? Yeah, I think it was. Or was this before Something About Mary? Oh, yeah. Something About Mary was 1998. Yeah. Uh, this was 94. 1994. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. The, the directors, Peter and Bobby Farrelly, reunited with Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels for a sequel 20 years in the in the making, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Uh, uh, because what else are they going to do uh, with their time? The they newsroom? Oh, or you mean the Farrelly Brothers? Yeah, the Fairly Brothers. What have the Fairly <laughs> Brothers done since There's Something About Mary? They've done, like, Fever Pitch, which was good. Uh, uh, it was alright uh, They've done like They did Stuck on You Which was the worst Oh yeah <laughs> Stuck on the... You Had one of my the, My favorite joke In Stuck on You Was when They finally got separated It was Greg Kinnear And Matt Damon right mm-hmm. yeah. Like conjoined twins They finally got separated And they When they left the hospital They were They got up out of wheelchairs To walk in their own power And they both fell over Oh That was the only good joke In Stuck <laughs> on You yeah. Oh and uh, The porn names That they I don't. I, I don't even remember, I don't remember that. that. They at did. All. Did they do Shallow it, Hal? Is that one of theirs? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I hated Shallow. Let me Howell. go back because that porn name that, that they had. One of the porn stars was named Rebecca Romaine Stay Moist. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a good one. It's that's the that, those are the two things that stuck with me. Ten yeah. years after seeing that film, and I, I guess most recently they did uh, Hall Pass, which was not, oh, yeah. not good. I never saw that. That doesn't seem like that seems out of the wheelhouse of those other ones. They did the Three yeah. Stooges too, didn't they? I think they yeah, just they produced did. that. Well, let's let's check. I think let's I think fact they, check that. I remember they were remember they were cooking that for a while with Benicio del Toro. Right. And they directed Sean Penn. it. They did Sean direct. They it. did direct it. Yeah. Wow. So really, I mean, since there's something about Mary, I would say the only the only real hit they had, and it wasn't even really that big of a hit, was me, myself, and Irene. Oh, I don't like that either. See, I gosh, I don't remember that one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And Jim Carrey really hasn't done comedy in a long time either. And uh, neither has Jeff Daniels, really. Jeff Daniels, well, Jeff Daniels yeah, even longer, yeah. Yeah, Jeff Daniels even longer. I mean, we saw Jim Carrey in uh, the that um, Steve Carell um, magician movie. What oh, was yeah. Burt Wonder- Wonderstone. Yeah, Wonderstone. So, Burt Wonderstone. But, I mean, he didn't really do anything there except pretend he was <laughs> Chris was Angel. Chris Angel style, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm excited to see this, not because I think it's going to be an off the chart hit but i just like the fact that we're seeing these two guys it's a nostalgia factor for me what did you think of the first dumb and dumber i liked liked it yeah i liked dumb and dumber you know what i don't really remember it except for cody sent me a a youtube link the other day of the the what is it the 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 big big gulps let's (laughs) let's play the clip of the big gulp scene hey guys oh big gulps huh all right well see you later (laughs) <laughs> just, I don't even know why that's funny, but it's really funny. It's just like it's just like a level where he's trying to connect, and it's just <laughs> that's the first thing he comes up Big with. Gulps. All right, let's. This is 
the question now we have. Well, first, you... first, what did everyone think of the trailer? I I didn't really laugh at anything specifically, except for the opening sequence where it was kind of like a notebook type opening where mm-hmm. somebody has. And it you know, and it comes out that that Lloyd has been faking being catatonic for the past 20 years. And you know, I can't believe the joke that closes this trailer. Oh, yeah. I can't believe this isn't a Red Band trailer. I know. Because this is a pretty filthy joke that closes it. I, <laughs> I will admit that I laughed at that last I did joke. too. <laughs> I, it was gross. <laughs> but it was, it, it, it was funny. All right, to the real point here, yeah. what do you think of these sequels that come out 20 years later? There's a there's a few dozen movies that I could say I'd be really excited if something like that happened. I mean, just off the top of my head, I'd love to see a Gremlins three. I'd love to see a Ghostbusters oh my gosh. three. You oh know? come on! Yeah, no way. Yeah. They, so I think I, when it, they're re trying to not reboot them, I guess reboot them. Wait, we're talking like a sequel, like with the same characters, with right, the, same relatively cast. the same cast, not. Not well, not, no, no, no. I mean, exactly. I mean, I, I would just like to see. The, well, I mean, like with the Ghostbusters. I mean, I would like to, to have seen before Hal Reimus died. Yeah. You know, them come back. So, I, I think if they can get as close to the original as possible, that there there might be something. There. Has it ever worked out though? It hasn't, has it? Is there a, is there something you can think of? Because well, how long are we talking? Immediately, at least twenty years. Okay, immediately it springs to mind Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, right, a movie right. which I found fine, but most people you talk to do not like it. They hate it, and it really doesn't deviate much from the formula, other than, it, you know, there's it's older. The Indiana Jones is older, and they use CGI. That right. seems to be one of the chief complaints. Which I don't know what people expect. Well, they're complaining because they're thinking back to the first three and realizing how you know groundbreaking they were then. Now we're getting something that we see every day, so it doesn't. But that's seem... what I'm saying is what why. Why do we want these things to happen? Why do we want a Ghostbusters 3? Why do we want a Gremlins 3? Why do we want to see something that, that was popular in our childhood brought back in a sequel Co- form? Cody's the one that has the uh, masters in uh, counseling. And, <laughs> it's so. an, I think it's what the, is it, Cody? I think it's the nostalgia factor. I think, it's, uh, I think with these generations that we have now, especially you know, with the summer of 84 coming up, which is what everybody says was like the best summer of movies yeah. ever, you have these people where... You know, there's there's nostalgia. They they want to go back to those things that they loved when they were younger, and you know you're right. There there hasn't really been a good. I mean, you have Toy Story, which was a pretty long gap between two uh, and three, but that's kind of on another that, playing field. That was only that was what ninety nine was Toy Story two, and then two thousand nine, two thousand ten was. It Toy was about Story ten 3. years, I think. That's yeah. that seems different to me. Yeah. Somehow, but I'm talking like these things that were you know the, like a Gremlins. Gremlins came out in nineteen eighty four. The sequel came out in 1989. The same with Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. The first Ghostbusters came out in 1984. The second in 1989. We were talking 20 years here. And but what if they bring back the original characters? Like you said, what if they bring back... Um, her name is slipping my mind now. Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates and yeah. the dude. Zach <laughs> who never, Galligan. Who never did anything else after... What about uh, Rocky Balboa? That was, ah, that was that's 16 a, years that's after a good one. That's a good uh, one because I actually thought that the uh, Rocky Balboa was... Uh, one of the better ones. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. Yeah, yeah. it was a good movie. Well, and the, the 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 series it kind of spiraled into. Oh yeah, but late I mean, nineties, ju- early nineties junk. As bad as Rocky Four is, everybody loves. Well, Rocky okay, IV. not Rocky, <laughs> but Rocky Five is the really terrible. Oh one, yeah, right. where he's street fighting. <laughs> My I, another question I have is: Does the length of time? Do you think that that has anything to do with the expectations that people have? Do you think that as time goes by, the expectations lower? So, like, if Dumb and Dumber Two were to come out ten years ago. 
um, are the expectations the same as they will, as I, they are now? I think expectations grow as the years go by because you think it. Look at Star Wars, for example. These new films being cooked up by J.J. Abrams and Disney. We're seeing Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Princess Leia in their 60s and 70s. I don't know that that people's are going to be able to appreciate in the same way they did the original ones. Even the prequels, while not great movies, people didn't like them because they didn't live up to what they had been building up in their head for so long. Yeah, but I don't think the Farleys thought about that. Like, oh, let's make Dumb and Dumber the first one, and then let's wait 20 years. Right. And and I I think with this particular case, it's just a situation of they know what they're they're doing here. They know that it's going to be... You know, I mean, the humor of this is, is, is going to be something that can be the same as far as just being dumb, stupid jokes. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not necessarily like we're talking about a legacy here. I mean, it is considered by many to be a comedy classic, but it's not like anything could happen in Dumber Dumber 2 that would tarnish the legacy that wasn't already and tarnished it, by Dumb and Dumberer. And it took 20 years for it to become a classic, I think. I mean, two years after Dumb and Dumber came out, people were... St- Still like, oh, Dumb and Dumber, that was a hilarious movie. But what, but I think the Fairly Brothers are still skating off of Dumb and Dumber, of the I sex think, of that and I think they're skating Mary. off of, yeah, Something About Mary was their huge hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what if they had made a Something About Mary, Mary's daughter, Something About Mary, <laughs> something about, you know? I, I wouldn't have minded. Uh, I think, like I was saying, it is a different sort of film. It's not like there's a giant merchandising empire behind Dumb and Dumber. There, you know, there, there, will, there will be now. But, there, but there's no Dumb and Dumber action figures or video oh, games to keep people's expectations too high. And well, There was this, the prequel, right? How long ago was that? Dumb and, uh, Dumb and Dumberer? Yeah, that was yeah, really That was bad. terrible. <laughs> uh, they, which had nothing to do with the... I mean, of course, it had something to do with it, but nobody involved in the first one was involved with the prequel. So, At least I don't think. So, bottom line, you're both looking forward to it, right? Yeah, I think so. I I'm, am, but I'm not. I'm holding. I'm not going. Yeah, tempered in there. expectations, but uh, if you you know you get to spend another hour and a half with these characters, and I mean, we'll see what happens. Do you think it's more of a desperation thing Does for the Fairley brothers? Yeah, kind of. I mean, they've been in a pretty dry spell lately. I mean, they they haven't had a hit in in a, a decade at least. Yeah, mm-hmm. go back to what you know. Go back to what you know works at least. I mean, yeah, people love these characters and. If they can get at least half of the funniness that came out of the original, I mean, they're well, and it, and also, I mean, it was a it was a huge hit. I mean, it made yeah. a ton of money. That was right when Jim Carrey kind of exploded on the scene, right? Uh-huh. That was right after uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, right before Batman Forever. I think it was after The Mask. Um, I'm more of a Jim Carrey yeah, drama he did type of person. Three in a row. His three movies in a row in 1994 all came out in 1994 were Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. Wow, that's a pretty that's a pretty big uh, string of hits right there. Yeah, and then he, I mean, he he wrote it for a few years because he he transferred to uh, dramatic roles, you know, like in the Truman Show in '98. So I mean, that kind of skyrocketed his his career because uh, I love that movie. The Truman, the Truman Show? Show? Oh, yeah. it's amazing. I love The Truman yeah. Show. Yeah. All right, moving on. Another kind of uh, nostalgic movie series uh, reared its head this week on the internet. The Mighty Ducks. Cody, what are the details? Well, uh, this this was the 20th anniversary of D2, The Mighty Ducks, which uh, <laughs> is a movie that I watched a lot as a kid. Wait, D2 is the second Mighty Ducks? Mm-hmm. Okay. The yeah. second, the 20th anniversary of, of the, the second, second movie. Yeah. I don't Dude, understand. Are you supposed to celebrate that? You know, and that remember well, when <laughs> that was a thing when they start after Terminator Two, they started doing that with sequels like D Two, and then ID Four, <laughs> Young Guns Two. It's it's thirtieth it's, anniversary. It's typically celebrated because it was the biggest 
it was the biggest hit of the three movies. And this was when the the first Mighty Ducks movie actually spawned a real life NHL hockey franchise. <laughs> and you know that Disney bought the franchise, named it after the team uh, from the movie. So um, much to much controversy over that, right? Uh, yeah, I mean it's you know corporate get corporate companies getting their hands like into Redskins controversy that kind of thing? I think it was I think it was a little less than it was that, that bur- <laughs> it was that burgeoning commercialism in sports yeah. uh, that everybody was was uh, complaining about that was really before all the naming rights to stadiums became right. a big deal you know when everything every stadium was named after some giant corporation and the Tostitos bowl my favorite bowl of the <laughs> <laughs> the Chick-fil-A bowl things yeah. like that okay so in honor of this 20th anniversary, there was an oral history release. An oral history of the trilogy. By, uh, by Time Magazine, yeah. who used to profile presidents <laughs> and, and leaders of men. Well, I have to say I read every word of this oral history as a uh, Mighty Ducks enthusiast as myself. Um, You're a good 10 years younger than, than Kiko and I on average, yeah. so the Mighty Ducks is right in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sort I mean, of. I mean, this came out. What do, you, what do you mean? What do you mean? Sort of. I don't really remember it. I you don't. I remember my sister liking it. My sister's a couple years younger than me, but she's not near as young as Cody. So. But we live in Texas. We don't really like hockey. Well, most speak of, for yourself. Most of, most <laughs> of us don't. <laughs> so what's going on? What is with this oral history? There's what? a lot of good tidbits. I mean, they talk to the kids who are now, you know, in their 30s and 40s. Uh, most famous of which is Josh Jackson. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of Dawson. Is it just Josh now? It is Josh. Yeah. It, it not says, Joshua. Yeah. In the oral history, it says Josh Jackson. So I'm showing the guy respect. <laughs> but I guess, you know, Fringe was his most recent. Yeah, you know him as Pacey from Dawson's Creek and then whatever his name was in Fringe. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't I watch Fringe. Um, you know, there, there's some interesting stuff in here. The, the most interesting thing here was the initial – because the third Mighty Ducks movie – I don't. I'm going to give you guys a history lesson here. The third Mighty Ducks movie is one where the studio kind of really – butted their way in and it was it was emilio estevez kind of came i see you guys laughing <laughs> i'm trying to educate here okay cody's laying down some some knowledge some, on the mighty ducks on the mighty trilogy ducks. so basically uh emilio estevez was not available for this so they brought in a new coach wait what was he doing oh he was directing um hold on oops i heard the error message <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> just let's just move on he, he wasn't available yeah, he was he was directing he was directing his first movie or whatever. Um, Men at Work, or is that, that was 1984. Oh, Again man. with 1984. I know. Do you know the crazy movies that came out in 1984? I know. The I Murderer's know. Row of like Gremlins, Karate Kid, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Back to the Future. Guys, I think we're getting off topic here. Oh. Let well, me bring let's, it back sorry, to the let's, Ducks. let's circle back <laughs> to the Mighty Ducks oral history. So anyway, uh, you know some interesting stuff. There's there was initial idea that was really weird. Um, where they were going to continue from and go back to the, the the Goodwill Games, which was like the international thing, and they were going to have um, they were going to have another another team say something anti-Semitic to Goldberg, the goalie. Was we he were, the fat dude, kid? Yeah, the fat kid. You are totally losing. Were, were, who was the coach? <laughs> who was the coach in the third one? If you if you had to step down from Emilio Estevez, it wasn't it Daniel Day Lewis? <laughs> yeah, he took a. Yeah, he took a. You know what? Uh, All right. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, if you read this, read this. If you're a Ducks fan, if you're a Mighty Ducks fan. Look up the the Mighty Ducks oral history. So, are they planning any kind of of sequel now? They're looking at it. They've had discussions at Disney where they talk about looking at it. And of course, uh, you know, D three, uh, the third installment. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm trying to get. The We're in the middle of both the NBA finals and the. 
the Stanley, Cup, Stanley Cup finals, and I have not heard anything about the Stanley Cup finals. Not because I'm not looking for it. This, this, the, the, the Los Angeles Kings are up three games to zero as we record this right now. Right. They'll, they'll probably win the Stanley Cup before this, Tonight, before you're listening to yeah. us. Right. Uh, but anyway, th- there is some talk of, of some sort of sequel, um, whether it happens with some of the old cast. Maybe there, there was talk about them maybe coaching another group of people. Uh, but, you know, you guys. Unless they put blades on their hockey sticks and start cutting Look, I am totally lost in the Mighty Ducks thing, but I do recognize its cultural significance. And in this in this BuzzFeed-ish world we live in, there's apparently nothing more valuable than 90s nostalgia. Right now, that's the big thing. So you old people are being pushed out, and it's, yeah, my generation is thing. just sucking it all up. It's yeah, I mean, beautiful. We, we grew up watching 80s movies, Jared and I. Yeah. Cody grew up watching 90s movies. It's all full house and Mighty Ducks to Cody. <laughs> yep. So like okay, so what were the sports movies when you guys uh, when you guys were younger that you watched? I didn't really watch sports movies. The one movie I can remember that was we've got two of them: The Karate Kid, right? Which I don't know if that really counts. The Jaden Smith one? Mm. <laughs> no, not the Jaden Smith one. The Karate Kid and Teen Wolf. Teen yes. Wolf is all about basketball. Yes, that's exactly the two that I remember the most. Mighty Duck, Mighty Duck. See what I, see <laughs> what Cody's it. doing to me? It's infecting you. It's infecting you. <laughs> um, I've seen the Karate Kid about a billion times, yeah. and I still get goosebumps in the crane kick. But you guys still, I mean, what about stuff like the Sandlot? But Dude, that was the nineties. That was the nineties. But Sorry. you weren't you weren't at an age where that was still when an I was when the movie. Sandlot came out. I was about fourteen or fifteen. It was ninety five, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So somewhere around if, I, if it was nineteen ninety five, I was seventeen years old. So. I mean, it was again. It was right around the time, but I'm, I'm 93. Sorry, but okay. at 15, you you're not really connecting with those kind of movies. And at around eight I mean, or nine, you're looking at stuff. Yeah, I mean, I would I had segued into kind of the big nerd stuff. Right, right. Uh, you know, Jurassic Park was a huge movie for me in '93. I was sneaking like Pulp Fiction into my room, trying to watch. And that. I, and I got I nerded out on on TV a lot then, like Mystery Science Theater 3000 and old Monty Python reruns. Whatever. So <laughs> <laughs> I have seen The Sandlot and I don't like it. What about? I, but I saw it like two years no, ago. No, no, I, I like The Sandlot. One of my lot, big but... ones too is Rookie of the Year. That that is such a weird movie. Okay, this was '93, also. Yeah, I remember there was a kind of a little smattering of baseball movies. Yeah, uh huh. That was that the one where he had some weird tendon surgery and yes. could pitch really fast. And it has the most famous line in a kids' movie of all time. Do you guys know what it is? Apparently, it's not that famous because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it, it's famous to me because it is. I, I I don't think I understood what it meant until I was older. What but is- uh, it's when it's when he's getting his arm tested and he flings it down the first time and uh, he hits the doctor in the nose and he holds his nose and he says funky butt loving and that's the line <laughs> you guys funky butt loving to like a, a group of like eight or nine year olds oh yeah yeah i can see almost it y'all ate that up right well we didn't know what it meant <laughs> but i mean y'all said it to each other all oh yeah okay yeah was there another one that uh, at the same time where there was a kid who was made the manager of a team? Yeah, right? that was Little Big League. I also okay. love that movie. Did you like Ladybugs too? I don't know what that is. Oh, give me a break! It's Rodney Dangerfield and you guys too old. Was that? No, 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 no. That's in the nineties. Oh, was it? I think that's nineties. Was that with Ladybugs uh, with Rodney with Dangerfield uh, and he gets the guy to dress like a girl so oh, he can play on the girls? Oh, what is the guy's name? He was in Sequest and he he. Uh, committed suicide 10 years ago jesus <laughs> he was in, he was in the never ending story too oh that's right he was i remember his face <sighs> i don't remember his name ladybugs rodney dangerfield well you guys have your karate kid i'll have space jam <laughs> space jam oh okay 
Space Jam is a terrible movie, but I love it. It's great. It's the 90s encapsulated. It's ridiculous commercial garbage, terrible acting, terrible effects, but I just can't turn away whenever it's on. Uh, I, I mean, I would still enjoy it if I watched it, but it's all nostalgia at that point. Okay. But it's not a good Well, there's movie, a difference you know? between nostalgia and good. And I think a lot of the movies from our youth, with the exception of stuff like Ghostbusters and Gremlins, most of the Karate Kid, I think, they're genuinely good movies. There's a lot of junk like Teen Wolf that's really nostalgic. Mm-hmm. I don't know that where the Mighty Ducks fits into that. <laughs> it doesn't. 90s, 90s basketball movie, White Men Can Jump. I'll, I, I like that okay. one. But when I was little watching, you know, Karate Kid and things like that, I always I went back also a couple of decades and I would watch. I remember watching like um, Hoosiers and remembering liking that when Hoosiers I was little. Hoosiers was in the 80s. Was it in the 80s? That's right. Yeah. It was in the 80s. So I remember watching Hoosiers. I remember watching The Natural. The which Natural. I don't think yeah. was in the 80s. But I remember being. The Natural, um, I believe, was 84. Was that in the 80s too? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. The 80s was amazing. Yeah. No Ni- kidding. 90s. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then I well, and this was the early '90s movie. But I enjoyed Mr. Baseball. Oh Tom right, Selleck. Tom Selleck. Mr. Three Thousand with Bernie Mac. No, never saw it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I saw it either. Rest in peace, Bernie Mac. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, sports movies. Love them or that. like them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. After Cody totally bored us with the Mighty Ducks discussion, it's time to move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. Our movie this week is 22 Jump Street. Yo, Sleepy, what's up, homie? You know my cousin, Sad Boy. I think you got the wrong guy, Holmes. Everyone saying the body of Sleepy, he like the Mexican Wolverine. And my partner here, he want to see the product. When he talking? My name is Jeff. All right, of course, this is the sequel to 21 Jump Street from 2012. Cody, what'd you think? Uh, this movie's pretty funny. It's, it's hard to argue that, uh, you know, they, they go ahead and, and kind of parade out the laughs one after the other and take that approach to it. This you is, sound disappointed. I, I, I am a little bit because I don't think it's as good as the first, um, and I'll get into that later, but this is maybe the most self-aware movie that I have ever seen. <laughs> Um, there are constant meta jokes yeah. about this being a sequel, and they are they they hit almost a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Um, very very funny uh, 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 meta humor in this movie, and overall, I, I thought it was good. Um, it I think it kind of tapered off a little bit towards the end, and the the back half was not as strong as the first half. You know, Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum can continue to have this amazing chemistry with each other. Uh, that was really enjoyable. Kiko? Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought it was really funny. I would say that it is as funny as the first one. Um, I think they take it to an, another level here. I mean, there's some, you know, the gross side humor, some frat boy humor and things like that. And it does taper off at the end, but it, it all comes down to just a uh, connection with Hill and Tatum, which, I mean, I'm still surprised that Tatum's... Channing Tatum is amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. his uh, comedic timing is just really, really good. And I don't know if that's just rubbing off on him from Hill or what's going on. And I think a lot of credit can be given to once again, the directors, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who you dismissed so callously last time around. Yeah. The the inexperienced, the uh, inexperienced Phil Lord and Chris Chris Miller. Uh, I think they, they have a, a, an impeccable sense of this comedic timing. I mean, you look at something like the Lego movie and you can tell that this is from the same filmmakers. Right. Do you remember when the first, the, the 21 Jump Street came out and how everybody just thought it was going to blow. I mean, yeah. people had no... Yeah. Like, they thought it was the worst idea ever. Well, and I, I actually spoke to a, a guy that that 
was disappointed that it wasn't a straight adaptation <laughs> of the show. And I think he's probably the only guy in the world that was that was pissed off that it wasn't like, wait, you mean this is a funny take on this show that I love from the, the 90s? Uh, so he wanted more of a uh, Miami Vice type thing. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what Miami Vice would look like as a comedy. That might be. <laughs> I think it was, uh, again, like Cody said, just the the meta humor was spot on. Yeah. Right. No, uh, I agree. There's Ice Cube and uh, Nick <laughs> Nick Offerman spend basically the, their introductory scenes telling you what to expect in this movie by telling Hill and Tatum what to expect on their new mission. Yeah, and there's, you know... There, there's a lot of, I mean, pay attention when you watch this movie. Pay attention to the background, the signage. Yeah. There are a lot of very subtle um, self-referencing jokes in this movie that that are that hit really hard. I mean, uh, not to spoil, I'm, I won't spoil many. I got one that, that, that really stuck out, mm-hmm. which was um, when, I, I won't give the joke away, but when Channing Tatum was talking about his idea for the new project, and he, <laughs> and he, and he described a movie he had been in, yeah, right. 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 Yeah. yeah, and uh, that was so funny. That was really funny. Well, a, ba- a bad movie he had been in. Yeah, and then there's a scene later during a ch- uh, there's a chase scene where the kind of funny music plays and they pass in front of a building labeled Benjamin Hill mm-hmm. Film Studies Building. Yeah. And I don't know how many people got that in the theater that we saw it in, but of course it's a Benny Hill reference, right? course my 90s comedy central watching pays off because i watched a lot of benny hill also any any youtube clip you watch with that music would make me laugh (laughs) any the benny hill music makes everything funnier right? yeah exactly so what did you think of of uh i guess the storyline this time i mean i think that was one of the things that made it uh lose a little bit of its edge at the end because we're on this and i won't give too much away but we are technically on this wild goose chase i mean everything that happens in the first half of the movie really doesn't matter in the second half of the movie so it's kind of just like drops and all of a sudden we have to start again and you know as as much as they make jokes at it and poke fun uh it it really does not deviate the central storyline does not deviate that far from 21 jump street yeah um as far as you know trying to find uh you know the supplier and the and the dealers of drugs within a school. <laughs> it it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Big Lebowski, in that the plot just kind of, uh, you know, forget it. Right. Like, well, and and for me, one of the one of my favorite parts of Twenty One Jump Street was the was Brie Larson mm-hmm. and her story with uh, and her uh, you know plot line with Jonah Hill, and this didn't have anything like that. Um, I mean, it really comes down to uh, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill in this I mean, movie. Jonah Hill does have kind of a love interest, which we won't get into because that's one of the kind of surprises of the movie. But um, she, I thought she did a pretty good job. She I'm did, a, but it, it wasn't the same for me. Okay, as, I understand what you mean. Yeah, I, yeah, it was more straightforward. I, 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 I'll agree with you there. But I, I mean, overall, hilarious. I looked at... <laughs> turned to Jared a few times and we just were we were cracking up. up the whole time uh, there's a few times that I laughed out loud that no one else did uh, there's a joke about a red herring that was uh, really funny that, that I don't know I'm afraid a lot of this well I, I think that you have to know tropes from TV and film to yeah. get a lot of these jokes because there's there's another one that happens um you know, on a football field, and we'll say that much that uh, me and I, I could hear Jared laughing from where I was sitting, and I was laughing and in, in and I wasn't. I didn't get it. But then I knew yeah. I was missing something, so I turned <laughs> and I was like, "What am I missing?" We and had then, to explain the joke to Kiko. Yeah. They explained it to me, and I got it, and it was very funny. 
I, I laughed about five minutes late, but <laughs> still laugh. And I think Lord and Miller have this thing where they have like, um, it's like a really hyper stylized kind of like, um, almost like an ADD type style to them. That that I mean, it's really apparent in in like uh, in like the montage scenes where they're getting ready for things. I mean, just yeah. stuff like you see even in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, you can go back and see that. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of the quick cuts um, and rapid fire jokes. Sort of breaking the fourth wall too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and you know they have. I mean, I can't wait to see where they go in the future because they they have this amazing comedic sensibility, and they I think they can really get the most out of out of uh, out of their entire cast because even the smaller roles in this movie, kind of everyone. I did think that the the main female in this movie was a little too much. Uh, I don't know her name. She played the roommate of Jonah Hill's love interest. Yeah. Her, she she kind of has one joke she goes back to the whole time, and it was never funny for me. She reminded me of that actress that uh, uh, co-wrote Bridesmaids. She's also in Bridesmaids. Annie Mumolo? Yeah, she reminded me mm-hmm. of like a younger Annie Mumolo. Yeah, she's. I think she's from Workaholics <laughs> is what she's known for. Oh, okay. Uh, what did you think of... Uh, Ice Cube had a bigger role in this film. I loved the Ice Cube <laughs> And he Cube got stuff. paid bigger money. <laughs> I, I couldn't get enough of Ice Cube. Yeah. I think nobody says the F word. Like Ice Cube. Oh yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, true. just the well, and Ice Cube also has a just a look he can give that can make you laugh instantly. Uh, and they and they take full advantage of just cutting to Ice Cube where he's not saying anything; <laughs> he's just looking. Uh, and, and Ice Cube is is uh, is a lot of the source of the um, the meta humor in this, and delivers it very well. Yeah, like I, I said say. at the beginning, he he kind of doles out when he's explaining what the mission is going to be to Hill and Tatum. It's it's essentially spelling out what a sequel right. to this film, what the sequel to Twenty One Jump Street is going to be about, and we, you know, and what to expect. In and this is the of, exact same thing, uh, except for they they do make a lot of budget jokes throughout the whole movie. Uh, oh right, when yeah, like they don't want to blow too many things up because it would cost the production yeah. too much. <laughs> yeah, and then they they build he they move across the street, they lose the lease on 21 Jump Street. So they move across the street to 22 Jump Street and <laughs> and it's just this ridiculous kind of CSI yeah. style expensive looking impractical <laughs> office. And Ice Cube it, it also reminded me of Men in Black. Ice Cube points out that his office his office is made of glass and he says it looks like something Iron Man would have. Yeah. <laughs> what did you guys think of the new like bromance that happens between Channing Tatum and the other uh, football player. I, I don't. I don't know. I oh the bromance. Like yeah. I I thought you meant the bromance between Tatum and Hill, which no. has always been there. Right. I just think home, gay jokes are there, too easy. It's very heavy on the gay jokes. Okay. Yeah, it's, that stuff's too easy. But mm-hmm. I don't know that it's so much a a gay joke as it is just kind of mining that humor because they they don't. It's not like a gay panic sort of thing. You know what I mean? Right. They're not no. worried. They're not worried about being perceived just, as, as gay. It's just sort of a. They're not aware of it. Yeah. They're, they're just they're, you know, they're treating their their friendship like a relationship, and they're not aware of how they're sounding. I guess, but, but I mean, they, they really mind that because you have that with Channing Tatum and the the quarterback from the football team, and then you have it with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill, and uh, the other bromance, the one with Channing Tatum and the quarterback, I seemed. I don't know. It seemed a little off. It didn't seem like a bromance to me as yeah. much as it was just a friendship. And I mean, I guess it, it, it things in the movie make you think other things. But I mean, I, of course, I can't speak for anybody who's who's gay and might be offended by kind of the the onslaught of 
implied gay jokes, I guess. But that, I guess that's but, what but I'm talking d- about. I mean, and, and Channing Tatum does come to the defense of it at some point. In the yeah, movie, so. <laughs> well, maybe I think that might maybe that's to cover everything yeah, else. That might be a cover your ass move. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what did you think of Hill in this movie? He kind of gets to play more of the buffoon. They show clips from the first movie. Did they reshoot it? Because he looked a little chunkier in the the flashback scenes. I, I don't know. I, the only thing that I didn't remember from the first one was the lobster thing. I don't. I don't remember that either. Uh, but everything else I think was the same. Uh, you know, Jonah Hill does get to be, uh, you know, like you said, a little bit of more of the buffoon part. Um, you know, for me, I think that Jonah Hill was improvising a lot heavier or more heavily. heavily I think that Jonah Hill was uh, <laughs> <laughs> improvising more so this time than he did the last time. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And you definitely get that sense. I know that Kiko um, spoke with one of the cast members of the movie uh, <laughs> in an interview you can read on net. Yeah, and he talks a little bit about how he uh, improvised very heavily in one of the opening scenes. And um, it's an interesting story. Yeah, and I mean, I still think Channing Tatum is the MVP of, of yeah, the comedy definitely. side of things. And uh but you know, it's you know, Jonah Hill is Jonah Hill, and he gives a solid performance comedically almost every time. Do you so. want to see a, a third one? I would, yeah. Do you want to see a f- eighth one? I, How I, long can this go? The thing is, well, let's let's turn the spoiler zone on here. Now entering the spoiler zone to avoid spoilers. Fast forward to forty-five minutes and nineteen seconds. Ooh! Wow, that was fancy. Ooh, that was kind of ethereal. It sounded like I was entering something like a spoiler zone. That's the goal. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Mission accomplished, Cody. Uh, so the movie ends as these comedies tend to do with just a, a glut of jokes that I guess didn't fit in the plot. And where the first movie teased them going to college, this one sort of plays out every sequel scenario that might come. I think they get up to, what, 41 Jump 41, Street? 41, 21, 21, was that? Was uh, that that was in space. Right. So they, you know, they have them in culinary school. Do you, think, school. do you think that that was to close the door? Or? I don't that's know. Kinda that's kind of what it, kinda what it felt cool like to question. me. The, the thing is, they, they have tapped out of the meta thing. They cannot do that again because yeah. it's not going to be funny for a second time. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, I, I I would watch one, but I don't think I don't think that there's much room. I mean, we even saw some fatigue as far as plot lines go in this one, where they're already kind of rehashing things. You know, they can make jokes at the expense of it for now, but what happens when you have a third installment coming up and you can't really well? What if do they that again? what if they do pick one of those crazy ideas and go just say screw it? You know, I'm just they, we're just going to go with that's it. That's one idea. Send yeah. them to mariachi school or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and the, my favorite joke was there's apparently one film we're in. Jonah Hill is supposed to have a contract dispute and yes. doesn't show up, <laughs> and they replace him with Seth Rogen. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, I, I like the Bill Hader one too. The, the Bill Hader one was yeah, great. Bill Hader has a brief cameo as a bad guy and gets a knife, uh, butcher knife. That was a culinary school one. Yeah. Screw Bill Hader. It's kind of this kind of reminded me of Community a little bit. You you watch Community, right, Cody? You know what? I tapped out after I think the second season of Community. Uh, what what do you mean specifically? In that they. Just the strong kind of meta humor yeah. that runs through the whole thing. Well, and even Arrested Development was that way towards the end of its mm-hmm. run. Uh, lots of meta humor, you know, at his cancellation mm-hmm. and impending rating, uh, cancellation and ratings issues. But yeah, like Community, absolutely. Um, and that, I don't think Community really survived well past that. There, you know, it got a fifth season, but I think by the midway point of the third season, the the formula was exhausted, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like. Everybody involved with this movie 
feels that same way too, which is why they put this giant button on it with, here's what every other sequel would have been. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's if you're going to do it, that's the way to do it too, yeah. because you can poke fun at the fact that, I mean, there's there's tons of poking fun at the fact that the first movie should not have worked at all, yeah. and yet somehow it was this big hit that they did not expect. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I think you're right. I think that this is this is their stamp saying, okay, well, we did what we what we could, and let's just you know screw around and and, and we'll and we'll wait 20 years to release the third one. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? You know, uh, Richard Grieco showed up as Booker oh, in right. this movie. I was not in on that joke. It's a, it's not as as yeah. He's he's not one of the bigger characters. Of the well, he had, he, his own, is, he, has, yeah. he had his own he spin off. Right. And when I interviewed Jonah Hill two years ago for the first 21 Jump Street, I mentioned Booker. And he looked at me like I was the biggest asshole ever. <laughs> to be fair, he's done that to you on multiple occasions. I, I've, the tw- twice I've talked to Jonah Hill, it hasn't been a good experience. Yeah. Wow, the once I've talked to Jonah Hill, he was the sweetest guy to me. Yeah, I don't know. I, Channing Tatum was amazing. Oh, yeah. And a big old hunk. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think it was? I think it sucked for uh, Jonah Hill, and I felt a little bummed out. Because this was at South by Southwest. They were doing a press for the first film, and they were... Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum were wearing the bicycle uniforms in the first film. Uh And this was post Jonah Hill gaining all the weight back. Oh. So he was like stuffed in spandex and and forced to talk to jerks in the media all day long. Yeah. Very hungry. Yeah. So maybe it was just a bad time. Now that we're in the spoiler zone, what was everyone's? Do you have like a favorite meta joke that there was? I loved the Benny Hill thing, like I talked about before. I loved the the red herring because there's a. the clue they're looking for at the beginning of the film is a tattoo that the drug dealer, they see in a picture of the drug dealer. And the one guy they suspect, he takes his, his shirt off to show off his tattoo, and it's a fish, a red fish. And Channing Tatum asks what that is. And he says, oh, it's the mascot of my high school, the so-and-so red herrings. Mm-hmm. And I laugh my butt off at that. And, the, you know, the one that the one that we were talking about was... And it's and it's such an elaborate joke because it involves the random occurrence of Channing Tatum cle- cleaning his ears with a Q-tip, and it's just you know what that was probably my favorite one out of all of them, and I didn't get it the first time. Yeah. So. so it's it's a meat cute is what it is, uh, it, and it involves a Q-tip and a sandwich. Like it's the most ridiculous setup to get to, to just to get to one joke to get to one joke that probably eighty five percent of the audience didn't get. And what was the one I was? I was but tell people what earlier. a meat cute is before. Well, a meat cute is like. It's that moment in a romantic comedy when the two characters that are going to fall in love meet over some kind of contrived circumstance. It's like a serendipitous thing. So like if they... They're grabbing the same box of cereal. Exactly. At at the grocery store. Exactly. You like frosted mini wheats too? And so it gets to the point where like... (laughs) What was really funny about it is they bump heads like three times when they go (laughs) down. Because he meets the the Zook, the quarterback, and they're, they're both kind of dumb lunkheads. Yeah. And they go, Channing Tatum's cleaning his ear with the Q-tip, and this dude's eating a sandwich for some reason, like a big hoagie on the football field. <laughs> <laughs> and they both drop it at the same time and knock heads, and the Q-tip falls into the guy's sandwich. <laughs> and he says it's a, it's a meat Q-tip, and yeah. that somehow shortens to meat cute. <laughs> it was the, it's a, it's, that joke takes forever to unfold. Uh-huh. And when you do, you can't help but, when it finally does, you can't help but laugh because it's so stupid. <laughs> But so clever at the same time. And I loved, I loved the fact that they're talking about the budget stuff. And so they, they go into, they're like, oh, here comes the robotics factory. And it just, oh, right. and it just shows an overhead view so they don't show any Yeah, there's stuff. a chase scene where they, they're trying to find the least expensive route so uh-huh. they, they don't bust the budget. <laughs> so, and I, I think that borders on 
like you look at the Lego movie, like that, the Lego movie went full on meta. Yeah. And I think because it was because of the premise, this this really bumps up against the line way more so than the first film. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it kind of, uh, going back to Gremlins, it kind of reminds me of Gremlins 2. I don't know if you remember the difference between Gremlins and Gremlins 2. Do you remember when the film breaks in the right, middle? Right, yeah. And, and Hulk Hogan yells at the Gremlins, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and then the bat Gremlin busts through the wall, and he makes the perfect bat symbol. Yeah, I remember that. It's, it's, it's a weird, refreshing take, I think. I think it's the way I prefer a sequel to go. If, if, the, if the premise is, is as thin as a remake of 21 Jump Street is, Man, might as well go yeah. balls out and make well, it something a, just ridiculous. There's a lot of meta. There's a lot of meta in the Godfather too. If you remember back, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in in Kiko, you are not a fan of meta humor. I'm not. I mean, stuff like uh, well, it depends. I mean, Dude, this I, I loved. I, I love meta great. humor. But, I do too. Yeah. But like stuff like Cabin in the Woods, I remember not yeah. liking that at all. For sure. For I sure. Mean, I mean, you just got too smarty pants for me, and I don't like yeah. stuff like that. And this was really over over. That's over kind of a calling humor. card of Joss Whedon, though the meta references and. I think I it's just call it humor. I oh, would call it more of a. I think it's just you know it depends on who's writing it. I mean, some stuff is just funny. I mean, there's no way around it. I mean, it's just fun. it's and, either funny or not funny. And the, the joke I, I was thinking of, I, I was having some trouble thinking about it, but it's basically the joke I was referencing earlier before we were in the spoiler zone was um, when they're trying to figure out what they can do with the new one. And basically, Channing Tatum speaks up and he has an idea, and he describes the plot for White House Down. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what if I was a Secret Service agent? We were sent in to um, take, um, take care of the president, or you know, and then we got real quiet. I like the end of the film, Jonah Hill, when they're doing the sequels, he shows up with his Wolf of Wall Street hair. Did anyone else notice oh, that? Oh, I didn't notice I didn't, that. He had the big kind of poofy fro instead of the, the close-cropped hair that he had in the Do rest of the film. Do you wish he was fat again? He, he, he kind of he, is. He's not as big as he used to be. Oh, but no, he's, of course not. He was big. He was big back on Grandma's Boy. You know, it's weird uh, not to get into a... Uh, talk about Jonah Hill's fat, but uh, <laughs> but you know, it's it's kind of that debate. Like, do they lose their and like and it's and it's it's talked about a lot in a meta humor form and like funny people after Seth Rogen lost all that weight right. for the Green Hornet. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonah Hill is actually the one making the jokes like like uh, you're not funny anymore because you're not fat. <laughs> what do you think about that as far as as far as like a a theory? Uh, and for guys like Jonah Hill or Seth Rogen, yeah. who who were became known for like I've, schlubby, I think those characters. are two of the only instances we can talk about that have happened recently. I mean, there's nobody that's you know have has is big and then it's gotten skinny. And well, there's there's been character actors. There was a character actor and I can't remember his name was in Friday Night. I mean, not Friday Night Lights, uh, Varsity Blues. Remember the big guy oh, Billy right, Bob? Right, right. And we also kind of parody that character in Not Another Teen Movie. He lost. He had some sort of, he was like 500 pounds. This guy was, yeah, he was I big, mean, dangerously overweight. Mm-hmm. And he lost, he had a, some sort of surgery, I believe, and lost, you know, became a normal looking guy. And there, his career just dried up. Was what about Ethan Suppley? Suppley? Ethan Suppley. Ethan Suppley, one. yeah. He, but he still worked after that. And I think he did the, kind of the same kind of dim characters, you know, in My Name is Earl. It's definitely a question that's interesting to me. I'm going to probably ask. Um, I think it ha- I think I'm interviewing uh, Gabriel Iglesias next week. So I'm going <laughs> to ask him. You know, what, you know what I think is I think it's a, it's, it depends on if they're a physical humor guy. So, like, if Chris Farley had lived and lost a lot of weight, would yeah. he have still been funny as a skinny guy? There's no way. Speaking of Chris Farley, <laughs> this movie has a couple of 
really uncomfortably timely references to <laughs> oh to current tragedies. Oh my god, the the yeah, worst the crazy. worst set of circumstances. First, first, there's two references to Maya Angelou uh-huh. who recently passed away. The second is weird. A Tracy Morgan impression impression who, as of right now, as we're recording this, is in critical condition after a horrible accident. Yeah, and it's you know it's 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 unfortunate because. I think the people in the audience we were with thought like, ooh, like they snuck it in recently because they were all. They were, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if about. I don't know the people no, about that. No, I think it was everybody realized it was kind of an uncomfortable moment. Yeah, and, it and that's happened the, it before. The air out of the theater a little bit. Do you yeah. guys remember there was a? Um, was there was there something like a, a Michael Jackson joke at one point short after he died? There was there was something similar to this that happened a couple years ago. I, I can't remember. what I remember it was. the the play Avenue Q. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a puppet, kind of a Sesame Street musical parody, theater parody, and they one of the characters is Gary Coleman, and <laughs> oh, they really? they continued using the character mm. after his death. You know, he it's it's an actor playing right. Gary Coleman. Right, right. It's it's an unfortunate set of circumstances because yeah, nobody a- wants to nobody. I mean, Maya Angelou had a, a long life and a respected career, but Tracy Morgan. I mean, it's a. It's talk, a really talk, talk about meta. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's a really yeah. timely. And it's, it, if you see it right now, you're you're gonna think about like, oh, Tr- Tracy man. Morgan I, got into that accident on purpose just oh, to God, <laughs> just it. to stop just you to know, make this movie happen. I, I you know there were a couple cameos in this movie. I kind of wish that Patton Oswalt's would have hit a little harder. He got a little bit in towards the end of his cameo, but uh, I you know I don't like the brainy Patton Oswalt. Yeah. I don't, and it's it comes across as a little condescending because I feel like he's just lecturing me because he does it quite a bit on what social if, media. What if he uh, got skinny? That'd be weird because he's got a strange body type. Like he's a really tiny, <laughs> he he's always, a really short guy. He always says he looks like a a, a butcher less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I his cameo I didn't really quite understand. It was a little too straightforward. Yeah, except, until the end. Yeah, except for a joke about him sleeping with his students at the end. Yeah. Now leaving this spoiler zone. Production wow. value. That was a like a door closing. Yeah, because this the spoiler oh, zone is now closed. We left the spoiler zone. Come on, man. All right, like so it. let's wrap up. What what's your final take on the movie, Cody? My final take is that uh, if we're talking just humor, I mean, I can't recall seeing a funnier movie this year, and it's a high bar that it's set. It's you know the, the laughs are pretty consistent until a little bit closer to like the middle or the end. Uh, I don't think it is as good of a movie as the first one. I was a little disappointed in that, but overall, I mean, it's it's funny. It's really funny. Kiko, it, it loses its luster um, about an hour in, but overall, I thought it was just as funny as the first one. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing a third one. Uh, I I don't know if it's the doors closed on it or not. It probably is because of the way that they ended this one. But uh, you know, who, who knows? I thought it again. I thought it lost a little steam in the middle. And then it picks up at the end when, because the plot kind of takes a, a nosedive where it thinks you think it's wrapping up and then it ramps up again. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was I thought it was funnier than the first one, mostly because I love the meta humor that's involved, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, I, I would hope that there's not another one, frankly. But I can I would I would go see another one. You have to finish off a trilogy. You don't end. That's two. such a oh god! I can't Come stand on. that everybody thinks everything has to be a trilogy. It now. does. That's why you box it up in a nice little criterion. Because look at oh god, the Hobbit. Oh, oh my I god! I think we talked yeah. about this already, but it just well, that's it, a, that's a whole other show though. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to our last segment. 
List, list, bang, bang. In honor of 22 Jump Street, we're each going to list our favorite TV to movie adaptations. Uh, Kiko, why don't you kick us off? Um, well, not to go too far back in time, but um, I never really watched old TV shows until I saw a movie called The Fugitive uh, with Harrison Ford, which was made from an older TV show. I watched a few uh, episodes of it just to get an idea back in, I don't know when the movie came 1993. out. 1993. Uh, great film. Um, I'm, I haven't seen enough of the TV show, but uh, since it was a TV show, then turned into a great movie that's on my list. Uh, State of Play, which was a very underrated movie, I thought, that came out a couple of years ago with uh, starring uh, Russell Crowe and um, Helen Mirren uh, about a new media uh overtaking old media and some political controversy as well. Um, that also was a British um, TV show that mm-hmm. happened that I didn't see, but see, great movie. See, we were going to make some rules that yeah. you had to have seen the show. Well, let's, let's come up with, we can do some that he hasn't seen and some that he has Hello, seen. Hello, come on. I mean, give me... <laughs> let's not throw break. him under the bus automatically. <laughs> well, this is our first listless bang bang, so... Yeah. Um, okay, and then my third one is, uh, well, of course I've seen... Sesame Street. I mean, it's been on for like 30 years. So I've seen it's a lot of Sesame Street. It's been on for 45 I've years. I've seen every episode of Sesame Street. <laughs> well, it's weird because they rerun parts of it. Remember the That's one where true. they made crayons? Every every episode is on Netflix, though, which is weird because my daughter, who's two and a half, she only likes the new ones. She doesn't like the old ones. And I don't know if it's because it's like brighter or... I don't know. I don't know yeah, what maybe it is. It, maybe it's Elmo. The kids love it. Oh, that's true. Maybe that's it. Anyway, the third one is comes from Sesame Street, and that was uh, uh, the spinoff movie called Follow That Bird. I love Follow That Bird. Which starred Big Bird, and he runs away from home and joins gets the a, circus. You know, he gets adopted out. He gets fostered out to a, a family of dodos. Remember? I thought he ran away. Isn't that why no, he well, had... No, he, the, there was a social worker that came to Sesame Street and saw that Big Bird was living by himself and decided he needed a family. That is really dark. So, no wonder I, I, didn't, I don't remember. So they, they placed him. <laughs> she places him. I want to say the social worker was Lily Tomlin. Oh, my I don't God. Know Are you saying he was just sitting in his nest the whole time? But she, How can you just take him away from Sesame Street? The social worker was Sally Kellerman. Sally Kellerman. Where did I get Lily Tomlin from? Oh, this was directed by Ken Quapis. That's interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway. anyway. he gets placed with some dodos. Right, right. Literal he, dodo birds, yeah. and they're dumb, and then he runs away and gets captured by the There you uh, go. That's where the running away part happens. Happens. My favorite I, part of that is Oscar, eat, I mean, not Oscar, Cookie Monster eating the VW Beetle uh, all the time. Yes, he's eating the Beetle. My favorite part is when they turn him into a bluebird, which is kind of what, I liked Chevy Chase's cameo as the newscaster where he calls it Sesame Street. <laughs> I remember watching this every single time we went to Montgomery Wards, which used to be like a JCPenney's type store, and they would be playing it upstairs. Cody, Cody remember Montgomery Wards? <laughs> no. They would be playing it upstairs in the children's We used to watch department. it. My sister and I used to watch it all the time. Uh, this was kind of the last big hurrah of Kermit the Frog being tied in with Sesame Street. Right, right. Because he's... He, if you don't know, like the Muppets are separate now from Sesame Street. But Kermit the Frog used to be a, a newscaster. On, mm. He was a reporter, right? I, I, hey, oh, Kermit the Frog here. <laughs> oh, not bad. Yeah, pretty Thank good. You. I don't think they can get away with uh, making another Sesame Street type movie. I mean, even didn't they make like an Elmo movie? Elmo and Grouchland was 1999. Yeah, that's. That was when, I mean, after Elmo took over, kind of, nobody wants to watch Big Bird anymore. Right. Anyway, mm-hmm. Cody, what about you? You know what? I'm going straight comedy on mine. Um, I think, in my opinion, the best 
t- uh, TV ad- uh, TV show that has ever been adapted into a film would be South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Okay. Uh, I think this is just an incredible movie. Um, it's it's so funny, and there's a lot of meta humor in that as well. Um, and then it's just as a musical, it, it is just like a, such a great musical. Yeah, every single song in that movie, <laughs> I mean, is just... It got an Oscar nomination for Best Song, right? Yeah, and I didn't even Canada. think that was the best song. Of the I didn't movie. either. I didn't either. But I think it was the safest. Yeah, they couldn't. They couldn't do <laughs> Uncle Fucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That one. That one wouldn't make the cut. And you know, the funny thing was, and I didn't know this until I read about it, but I think that most songs have uh, have their roots in either a Disney movie or uh, or a Broadway show. So like the the. Um, you mean Best Song winners? Or no, what? I mean the songs in the South Park movie. So oh, like, okay. So like. Uh, La Resistance in the show is based off Le, uh, Les Mis. Mm-hmm. And then, like, uh, up there, the song that Satan sings, it's supposed to be part of that world. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's, uh, Man, that's a, such a great song. Oh, that, that song is awesome. I catch myself um, singing the Brian Boitano song when that's I'm driving along. <laughs> yeah. I love when Brian Dennehy shows up. Oh, Brian, <laughs> that, that is who the fuck are you? <laughs> I'm Brian Dennehy. Yeah, not fucking Brian Dennehy, fucking Brian Boitano. <laughs> that, that's a, and you know what? It's, if you download the soundtrack, that part's not in it. The Brian Dennehy part I hate, is. I, I hate when they do that when they when they're performing a song in the film. Yeah, and, and it's what's weird. Also on the soundtrack, uh, the up there, the Satan song is like sung an octave lower, and it sounds terrible on the soundtrack. Listen but, to Cody with the musical criticism. Yeah. Here. Hey, it's a good. It's a good. I mean, he's right. It's a great musical. I mean, if you're. For I sure. mean, of course he can. Yeah. No, it, I. I remember seeing when I saw South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. A friend and I had just finished seeing. Wild Wild West, and we were like, <laughs> "God, that sucked." And then the theater across town was playing South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. That was when there were no mega theaters, yeah. and so you had to go to a different theater to see a different movie. And then we just—it was just delightful. Oh, I don't yeah. know if delightful is the right word to yeah. use for that movie, but it was freaking <laughs> funny as hell. And there's no drop off between the show and the movie. I don't think. I think it is like a seamless transition. The humor is still there. It's sharp. Um, and it doesn't look different. You know, they no. do that a lot with, with TV shows where they they have a bigger palette and they expand it. This just, it was a wide screen. Yeah. And it was I think that was back when they were still doing it. No, it couldn't have been. When they were doing it on construction paper. I don't think they've done that since the pilot. Okay. Really? They were doing I, thought, I didn't know that they did it on construction paper. Because I thought the, the early years were kind of... They did it on construction paper. I don't know. Oh, uh, there is that meta joke in, in South Park that I like where they're like, they didn't want to go see Terrence and Philip, and they're like, "Why?" Because the, the animation's all crappy. And, and, they just just and then they <laughs> they walk off like all yeah. crappy looking. Yeah. Uh, second, I'm going with uh, I'm going with the first Naked Gun movie, the uh, Naked Gun from the files of Police Squad. Um, I've only seen bits and pieces of Police Squad, the TV show. Police Squad is hilarious. Yeah, this is one of my favorite comedies of all time. I actually prefer the Naked Gun to Airplane. I don't. I'm probably in the minority there, but. Uh, uh, the airplane's a more a little more acquired taste than the Naked Gun. The Naked Gun is really way more accessible than Airplane because Airplane gets really kind of lazy and smushy. Like yeah. it's a you know it's a very early '80s movie where the, the pacing is slow. Yeah, and Leslie Nielsen is just an amazing comedic actor. The <laughs> the best you know the best slapstick guy around. It, that that movie makes me laugh to this day, and I've seen it. Dozens of times. It's Enrico like. Palazzo. <laughs> but I could, we could quote that movie. Or, oh yeah. Or what is it? Uh, where she she has the he's like nice ankle bracelet. She's like, oh, that slipped down again. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't even understand that joke. <laughs> Twenty five years later, I don't get it. But it makes me laugh. <laughs> there was a lot of things I didn't get 
when that movie first came out. I remember the first time I saw it, the full body condom. Yeah. For the for the next three or four years, I thought that's what a condom was. That you really put it around your. My favorite body. part of that joke, that whole scene, uh, the montage of them falling in love and stuff, is where they put the MTV style graphic at the end you know telling you who performed the song oh, right. <laughs> yeah i don't know if they is mtv even still do that when they play music videos i, I don't probably but i don't know because that was a very very distinct look uh it's just it's just it's you know i mean obviously if you've seen anything that leslie nielsen has ever been and you know what to expect from the humor but it's so on point and and you know it's it's just a situation where it's a movie that I can watch over and yeah. over and over again and still enjoy it as much as I did the first time I saw it. That was a trilogy. Yeah. yeah. And it petered off at the end really badly too. Not badly, but really disappointingly. Yeah. Uh, Police Squad, if you've never seen it, it's really really worth seeking out because it's the same sort of thing and they do this crazy a lot of them there's only 6 episodes but several of the episodes do this joke where it's guest starring some huge star at the time and they die instantly. <laughs> <laughs> or then they end every episode on a freeze frame but it's just the actors pausing and some guy will be walking through the background uh it's 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 the very same humor like there's no real difference in it mm-hmm. except george kennedy's not in it yeah he doesn't play is that an Amer- was that an american uh, yeah it's it was leslie, leslie nielsen. nielsen i mean it's it's oh, was, yeah. the the naked gun is a sequel to the film it's not a you know, it's not a spinoff or, or right. there's no new oh, cast. I, I mean, mean, it literally is Leslie Nielsen playing the same part. Oh, okay. Which I don't know that when that movie came out, I don't know that anybody even knew that. I didn't know that. And it's only, apparently the police squad only ran for six episodes and that yeah. was it. Yeah. So, uh, and also was this, uh, this was back when OJ Simpson was, uh, was, uh, you know, an American hero, right? This is, yeah. He was the, the third star of the film. Yeah. Nordberg. So, you know, for the third one, I'm going with I'm going to go with a movie that I like more than it is good. I think I mean, I think it's a good movie, but uh I I have this amazing love for Beavis and Butthead Do America. I love Beavis and Butthead Do America. I think that, you know, the thing I think that was surprising because I watched Beavis and Butthead a little bit when I it was a little bit before my time, but I've gone back since and watched and you know, a lot of people think that the best parts of Beavis and Butthead were the commentary on the music videos. And that the cartoon part of it, you know, was not kind of like the star of the show. I mean, even when you when you saw DVD releases come out, people were like, well, where's the video commentary? Well, that was a lot of rights issues there. Right. Um, and this one, this is stretching what was essentially what, I guess, a 15-minute cartoon, uh, you know, at, with added in in the commentary. And they stretch it out to, you know, a full-length movie. And it, it works perfectly. Yeah. It's uh, lots it's, of... Go ahead. It's strange because... Beavis and Butthead is really two different shows butted together. When you look at the commentary, they are way, way smarter in the commentary than they are in the, oh, the yeah, actual plot. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's some there's some jokes there. And this is of the Mystery Science Theater 3000 era where there was it kind of became in vogue to comment on stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're just there's just some super intelligence in some of these video yes. commentaries that don't fit the characters <laughs> at all later in the film. Uh, or later in the show. Yeah. And I loved that the way the movie expanded on that because I thought that was, watching the show originally, I thought, again, that was the weakest part of it. You mm-hmm. know, watching them comment on the videos was the funniest part to right. me. But when the movie came out, it, it was it was really funny. It, it, and it's, it, I think it's immensely quotable, too. There are so many great quotable lines. And, and um, you know, it's it's got some famous people. I mean, Bruce Willis and Demi Moore do voices <laughs> in it. But, but 
the the best part of the voice cast aside from Beavis and Butthead is Robert Stack. Yes. Uh, from Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, also from Airplane. Right. Right. Exactly. Oh was, God, I want to talk about Airplane, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Robert Stack is he plays an ATF agent in this movie, and he's kind of a bumbling ATF agent who thinks he's. Well, he's really hard nosed and then does the cavity searches on everybody. <laughs> Don't stop till you touch the back of their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just, you know, it's just it's just such a funny movie, and it's another movie that I can go back and watch whenever. And um, they're jerking in my trailer. <laughs> I, I always love the. Uh, um, the it kicks off the plot is the t- their TV is stolen. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> and they they try to find a new one. Yeah, they go and steal it from the school and they break it, and then I, I can't remember what. How the rest of it goes. I mean, just like thinking of all the stuff that is quotable, like uh, uh, there's the uh, there's the my favorite line of the movie has always been uh, when uh, I guess it was when Beavis asked uh, they were at the Hoover Dam and he goes, <laughs> "Is this a goddamn?" <laughs> that's just such a stupid line. And then the, and then there was when they were at Old Faithful and the guy the tour guide was saying how much water it shoots out and they're like, "So how much?" And then there's that's not that much really. <laughs> Yeah, it's, and that was their way of providing their own commentary of other things. You know, mm. just you know, being smart asses. Uh, what? How old are they supposed to be? My guess is like fifteen, yeah, fourteen, fifteen, 16, seventeen. Yeah, probably somewhere around there. I, uh, I would, I would assume like pre-driving age. Yeah, kind of because well, they walked ass. everywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean they were big losers, but I think they fit like the fourteen, fifteen-year-old mold. Yeah, like where I was, where I just I, I wasn't. I'm not. Get, commenting on on this too much because I wasn't allowed to watch Beavis and Butthead when I was little. Mm-hmm. And I think I've only seen the movie once. You should watch you it can again. Still, we'll, we're going to allow you to watch it now, yeah. okay. Kiko. You, can't, you yeah. have permission to watch Beavis but and But no Butthead. repeating the words you hear in it, okay? <laughs> and don't light any fires. God, can you... I mean, that that movie back then... I mean, that TV show back then was like... That's the cartoon that you couldn't watch. It was dangerous, right? along was with Ren and Stimpy. Yep. But yeah. Ren and Stimpy got away with it because it was on Nickelodeon. I think it skated under people's radar. And, and holy crap, now? Gee, my God. <laughs> even on Cartoon Network, there's some crazy stuff. That... Yeah, well, that's Adult Swim. Well, yeah, <laughs> but still, I mean, kids don't know any yeah. better. They just see animation. Yeah, so, I mean, I would say that Beavis and Butthead do America a surprisingly competent film. It's it's surprisingly competent? That's a great movie. What are you talking about? I mean, surprisingly <laughs> competent. Well, because for the expectations for Beavis and Butthead, I mean, it's 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 a great, it's a great movie. I'll say it, yeah. Well, I think a lot of people were, were turned off by Beavis and Butthead just at face value like here's this thing on mtv where these punks comment on stuff and talk about fire i mean it has to be your i mean you you have to find beavis and butthead funny and i think it might be a specific sense of humor and i think they saw that when it came back a couple years ago it didn't do that great uh in the ratings and it hasn't come back since but it it was still good i mean i thought it was still pretty sharp did you did they still say the cornholio and yeah. jokes and everything i loved the the little revival i it was weird that mtv cheaped out on it do you remember they reused a lot of old footage yeah and also they changed the format so that they weren't commenting on uh music videos but they were commenting on mtv reality shows is what yeah. they were doing it was a very short-lived little revival and hmm. it was good though yeah it, only it was, like six episodes something like that yeah yeah so jared we're talking about um cartoons that have gone from the television to the big screen is the simpsons on your list the simpsons would have been maybe had the movie come out about 10 years earlier i Mm -hmm. still think the movie's pretty strong it is Uh, it is but i don't think it's it's past its prime by a long shot by like by at least 10 years at least 10 years probably closer to 15 yeah uh so i think the movie i while i like the movie i think it's it's not the best representation of what 
a Simpsons movie could have been at one time. Do you agree with the with the idea that that was the best Simpsons episode in like ten years? Oh God, because that I'd was kind to, of. The... I'd have to think about it. So what is on your list? Uh, my okay, this is a kind of strange one, but Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Not oh. not the first adaptation of Star Trek into from going from TV to film, but the one that was that was successful at mm-hmm. it. Because you, if you know the Star Trek, uh, Star Trek the motion picture was was kind of rushed into production after the success of Star Wars. Originally, it was going to be another TV series called Star Trek Phase Two. And because of the success of Star Wars, they adapted that into Star Trek the motion picture. The biggest part about Star Trek that I think is missing from the new films, the J.J. Abrams films, is sort of the inquisitive nature, the exploring, as opposed to just battling just mm-hmm. action scenes. And I think finally with Star Trek 2, they got the mix right. They turned it into a more militaristic... Um, I, both of you are very quiet. <laughs> this, you is, this is payback for the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> oh, God. Star Trek 2 is amazing. You know what? I, I actually... I had never seen a previous Star Trek uh, mo- uh, movie or any of the TV show, but before uh, Star Trek Into Darkness came uh, came out, I went back and watched The Wrath of Khan. And I... I felt nothing for it i'm i'm sorry i didn't think it held up over time i, I it kind of looked kind of cheesy and well, I, I didn't think that montalban not... was as good I, I appreciated that montalban was kind of like uh he was kind of a hard ass in it and there's there was not a lot of it's uh, not fair though and i it's it's difficult to go back and judge movies based on their effects you know 30 years after that's the true fact. that's true and I, there's a kind of an an online culture of that where people go back and look at you know they dissect the special effects in something like Star Trek Two or even even things like Jurassic Park. Like, oh, well, look at that crappy CGI, <laughs> and it's just not fair. I don't think. And it's really at that point it wasn't about the CGI or the special effects. I mean, obviously they play a big part, but you know you see this kind of battle of wits between Captain Kirk or Admiral Kirk at the time and and Khan. You know they never. They're never in the same place. Mm-hmm. It, it takes place entirely on two different ships, and they're just strategizing. And, you know, it's it's low budget. It's All the Star Trek movies before the J.J. Abrams movies were ast- astoundingly low budget for what they were. Mm-hmm. And it shows. You know, it, they reused some footage from Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, that's the where they leave the space dock. That's the same footage. Like okay. it's exactly. There's no trying to disguise it. <laughs> Movies don't really do that anymore. Do you ever notice no, that? No, not really. Yeah. Like it's not like you're going to see a sequel where like, oh, we, that's the exact same shot we saw in the first film. They used to do that with Disney movies, where they would use the same I told animation. You, I told you that. Did you? I? Like a, like two weeks ago, they would reanimate because they did a lot of rotoscoping and they just uh, kind of animate over that. Rotoscoping being where they draw over live action. Yeah, you see a lot of that in Robin Hood. Robin Hood and and the Jungle Book share (laughs) basically the same dance sequence with a giant bear. What's number two on your list? Number two, Wayne's World. Party time. A movie that's now kind of depressingly 22 years old. God, can you believe that? Yeah, I don't know. You didn't tell us that we can pick Saturday Saturday Night Live. That's an adaptation from a TV show. Come on. Just... It hits for me on all cylinders. I mean, there's no there's no dead spots in it. Even the sequel, which got kind of unfairly trashed at the time, I think is another kind of brilliant, weird, meta-filled... Uh, the first one has a lot of meta humor in it, too. Mm-hmm. But the second one is is even more so. And I think, as the two of them together, I think they're just, they're just great. And whenever they come on TV, I have to stop and watch. 
Is that term meta? Is that new, or is that has that been around for a long time? Because I mean, if we're talking about Wayne's World, would you would you uh, prefer postmodern? Postmodern is a little more. I don't know, but I just I, I'm thinking that the the term meta is like I, I don't remember hearing it five years ago. Is that something that's new? Because I don't it's, know. It's it's really kind of it it exploded with the internet. Yeah, I think, I think the, maybe maybe that exact word to describe it is probably new. But postmodern is how you would describe it before the internet. Oh, I you see. know, cu- culture commenting on culture, basically. Oh, okay. I, well, back to Wayne's World. Yeah, I I remember when this movie came out. I, I wasn't. I don't remember watching Saturday Night Live a lot when I was little, but um, I was, knew that it came out. Saturday Night Live was pretty much a, a tradition in our house. Oh, really? Uh, every, from the mid '80s, well, from like the late '80s to the mid '90s. We all, we as a family we'd watch Saturday Night Live. Mm, okay. Um, you know, Toonsis the Driving Cat. We had a cat named Toonsis. <laughs> uh, that was a real. They always say that. This is a little before my time in college, but they always say that your favorite Saturday Night Live cast is the one that was there when you were in college. Hmm. For me, it's it's middle school and early. Yeah, high that's school. not that way for me at yeah. all. <laughs> uh, you know, this was the the Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, early Adam Sandler years. Yeah, and I just thought Wayne's World was was just an amazing, you know, expansion of that. Even you know, na- now when I can appreciate it more, I was like, man, they really, they really flesh this out well, mm-hmm. you know, and you see other junk like the ladies man. Oh yeah. It's one of the very few, um, Saturday night, Saturday night live, um, adaptations that actually worked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you don't get a lot of the, yeah, the ladies man, that, that, that didn't night at the Roxbury. Night at the Roxbury. Night at the Roxbury has a lot of fans. You know what movie that I think is underappreciated is, uh, it's Pat. No, I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> uh, superstar. S- you know uh, what? I used to watch that movie a lot as a kid. I haven't I haven't seen it in years. It's really it I love that Will Ferrell unapologetically plays a teenager. Yeah. Like a heartthrob teenager. Yeah. I think that's the real like kind of That's where real, the comedy gold is. Real right genesis there. of his kind of weird take on, on roles. <laughs> that was one of the first movies I think he was in, wasn't it? Uh that was right around Austin I think Austin Powers was before that. He had the small role as uh I can't remember what the guy's name was, but the one that kept he was sitting at the table. Yeah, he got dropped in the furnace and was still alive. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, and that was also directed by Bruce McCullough of the Kids in the Hall superstar, which he I don't know that he did much after that. Well, your um, last pick uh, kind of segues into uh, a honorable mention. Cody's got an honorable mention. I do, I do. Uh, You know, while we're talking about good adaptations, but I, 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 I was thinking about this and it kind of it's a natural segue a, a movie that like completely reinvents its tv idea and one where i went in with no expectations and was really impressed and i will always defend this movie as being very very funny and that is <laughs> mcgruber uh the, i don't the mcgruber sketches were not funny to me what they Those were great they, they were they were such a like a small I mean, I mean, I guess a small percentage the of them point. were kind of funny, but well, the point was that they were tiny little, like two minute snippets and just right. ridiculous. It was a, a MacGyver parody, right? And and so you know, that was everything we ever knew about MacGruber, and it was like a thirty, fifteen to thirty second, isolated uh, kind of. Uh, you know, there was no sense of continuation with it, other than they would show a couple in a row, um, and then they come out with this movie which people were baffled by and you get the movie and it's like this, this really ridiculous and funny movie. Uh, Will Forte um, is able to expand a lot about uh, in it and you can, you get people like, you know, Ryan Phillippe to play along uh, and, and Val Kilmer. Kristen Wiig is good. Of course. Kristen Wiig's good. 
I, I, I really, I really, really like. <laughs> I saw this movie and I don't really remember anything by it. I don't remember being moved by it at all because I like the MacGruber skits just because of the inherent ridiculousness in it. In the, you know, he's trying to disarm a bomb and it's, what is it? He, he's always like, there's always a third person that he's offending. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the was it Charles Barkley? Charles Barkley one. Those were good. Yeah. Uh, you know, because he, he, he doesn't want to be racist, I think. So he he prolongs everything. Instead of saying, you know, cut the black wire, he uh-huh. tries to say the African American wire, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and just the, the Kristen Wiig, the enthusiastic kind of eighties assistant. I didn't, I didn't dislike the movie, but I it wasn't really memorable to me. Mm-hmm. I, I might need to rewatch it. Yeah, I, I think did, you do. I thought it was all right. I thought it was. Pre- Pretty funny. Um, you, well, you compared to other Saturday Night Lights. What is Val Kilmer's What is Val Kilmer's character's name? It's something really dirty, right? Yeah, or almost dirty. Like it's cunt. <laughs> yeah, okay. we're definitely gonna have to put an expletive uh, stamp on this. That was know, not so. a bad word. I, you know what? I could play. I could play a MacGruber clip that uh, that can solidify my point. I think it's very X-rated, though. Let's don't do it. And there, there actually has been sequel talk. Uh, because uh, because Will Forte in um, what's his name? Uh, oh, Yorma from from the Lonely Island is who yeah. directed it, and they've there's been talks that they're gonna do whatever they have to do to scrap together the money to make a sequel. So, are they gonna go get on Kickstarter to do that? Would Probably. you would you donate money to a MacGruber sequel Kickstarter? I would. I, I can't believe that one of your best TV show to movie adaptations was uh, wasn't Veronica Mars. Well, you were a big you were a big proponent of the Veronica Veronica Mars Kickstarter. I was I was a big proponent of it for different reasons than I mean I I've only seen the first season of Veronica Mars and I liked it, but I was a big proponent of it for what it meant more so than seeing more Veronica Mars. And the movie was not that good, so. So you, I wait. I thought you were a Veronica Mars fan. All this time, I, I was, thought you were a big Veronica Mars fan and wanted to see more of the movie. But you were just, you were just supporting some ideal. I, yeah, essentially. I mean, I am a fan of the first season, but it's all I've seen. I do like the first season a lot, but I was supporting the ideal of reviving things that I like, or I, reviving TV shows that deserve a second chance. I hate that idea. We've had the arguments about. This I, before. I hate the idea too, and we're not going to get into talking no. about this because <laughs> we'll end up fist fighting. That's for another podcast. <laughs> On that note, let's wrap it up for this week. What do we got next week? Uh, next week we have Jersey Boys. Jersey Boys, the musical directed by Clint Eastwood. I have to say, I have 0.1% interest in this movie. Why? It just looks terrible to me. The trailers look awful to me. I totally disagree. I think it looks fun. I I think it's going to have a great soundtrack. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the kind of... <laughs> Again, it's strange. The meta Broadway plays here's kind of th- grate on me a little bit where they talk to the audience. And here's the, here's the thing for me. If they're pulling people from the actual play, then I think that their acting skills are not going to be that good. And that's what I get from the guy who plays Frankie Valli in the, in the trailers. I think he looks like he's not a very good actor. You don't think stage actors can... Well, it's, it's a musical, though. So how much... I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're not... They're not getting these roles in musicals because they're good actors. They're getting them. Oh, I disagree. Oh, no Come way. On. They, yeah, they. I mean, this is this isn't some like touring company. Okay, this guys. Is so go watch Rock of Ages and then report back to me. Then. <laughs> well, let's let's yeah okay. Well, I mean, but if you see somebody, I can't remember the actress's name. She came out in Le Mis, the uh, the newest one. I and she was the only one that came from the uh, original musical, mm-hmm. and she, I mean, she was up for um, Oscar talk. She was really good. I can't remember her name though. 
I think that's a little unfair to say that, that they're not good actors. I think they have to be good actors. I mean, people are watching them for their performances, not only musical performances, but they have to act. And, you know, Clint Eastwood's at the helm. I don't know. It's, it's strange to me that an 84-year-old man is directing a musical. Uh, I'm not familiar enough with the, the musical of Jersey Boys to really say if it's going to adapt well. But, I mean, I love the music and the era that it's coming from. And Yeah. Um, and you, like. you do a pretty mean, and uh, you do a pretty mean rendition of "Walk Like a Man." <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, that was a great '80s movie. There you go. Ah, <laughs> it all comes back. All right, that wraps it up for this week. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at nine two zero film two one zero. That's nine two zero three four five six. Two one zero, or if you want to text us, you can do that too because it's not nineteen eighty five, and you're, who's going to leave a voice message? Yes, and we're looking for sexy voice messages. All right. Also, uh, be sure to uh, visit our website, cinesnob.net. Also, da- if you download our podcast from iTunes or Stitcher, please give us a rating. We'd love to see it, uh, even if you didn't like the show. Uh, but I will say, seven five star reviews so far. <laughs> wow. So I mean, obviously, we are a massive hit. <laughs> But please, please, we really want to know what you think. Uh, This is a work in progress, so if you hate something we're doing, let us know. Like talking. Yeah. All right. uh, I'm Jerry Kingery. I'm Cody Viavagna. And this is Kiko Martinez. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.